Uh, my name is Sean Cottrell. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Law in Sport. I'm joining you today with my co-host, Haran Noor, who is the Programme Director at Law in Sport. We're delighted to welcome you to this roundtable discussion on the development of African football, but a particular focus on the development of clubs and the new club licensing regime, which we're going to hear more about, and uh, the licensing around um, Stadia which is, uh, is something that's really important. So in order to do that, I'm delighted to welcome our wonderful speakers who have kindly given up their time uh, in the midst of a very busy schedule, in the midst of the World Cup going on as well. Um, so we do really appreciate it. Um, what I'm going to do, just for everyone's benefit, I'm going to go around and ask everyone to introduce themselves, just to give a bit of flavour of the work that you do in football um, and uh, specifically what you do um, with clubs. Um, and Stadia. So, Mohamed, would you like to introduce yourself first? Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Uh, my name is Mohamed Sidat. I'm the head of professional football at CAF, Confederation of African Football. A pleasure to be here today. F fantastic. And can you just, um, just give a brief insight into your work? And then we'll come on to the regulations in more detail in a minute. Yes. So, I'm in charge of um, club licensing, stadium licensing, league development. So, uh, the topic uh, fits me very well, so uh, uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's good to it's good to be here to discuss a bit on on uh, a bit of on on African football and and the club licensing regulation and how it's uh, it's coming out about with the uh, with the new with the new regulations just approved uh, a few months ago. Fantastic! Thank you very much and welcome, Farai. Hi, Shonin. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you very much. My name is Farai Razano. I'm an attorney in private practice in South Africa, and most of my work is actually on football, so I have sort of shadowed the journey in football, and I'm looking forward to this discussion on club licensing instead. You're seeing that it's an important topic in African football. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cynthia. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Cynthia Mumbo. I'm the founder and CEO of Sports Connect Africa. We're a sports, Connect, uh, a sports consultancy that focuses on um, providing commercial solutions to uh, sports entities across, across the, the divide. So um, in this particular case, anything from strategy to marketing to commercialization. Um, for for football clubs, for for uh, corporates that want to work with football clubs and and leagues, and um, you know within the sporting ecosystem. Fantastic and welcome. Thank you, um, Abdullah. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, everyone. My name is Abdullah Shahata, and uh, I'm attorney at law at Sportiva Law Firm based in Cairo, and we serve uh, regionally, mainly in Africa and Middle East. Uh, we re we represent many uh, different stakeholders in the region. And I used to work in Saudi Arabia as a legal counsel for clubs. Brilliant. Thank you. Very exciting. And Brian, finally. Well, we'll come to Karen, but from our guests. Uh, hello, Sean. Hello, uh, Karen, and uh, the rest of the panel. Thank you very much for having me here today. Uh, my name is Brian Masala. I'm uh, the founder and CEO uh, of the Football Foundation for Africa. Uh, it's an organization that was uh, set up in uh, 2018 to explore ways in which we can uh, improve the football ecosystem across the continent, focusing on the on the grassroots. Uh, and we also happen to be the conveners of the inaugural Africa uh, Football Business Summit, uh, which will now be an uh, annual uh, event. So from my intro, we are more or less uh, trying to, to complement the work of, uh, of CAF in terms of developing the industry 
uh, on the continent. And uh, we are interested in seeing stronger clubs across the continent and also sustainable uh, football infrastructure facilities. Thank you. Brilliant. And I, and I heard because Karen was there that it was a fantastic conference as many of our other friends and Farai as well. Um, so well done on your, on your work there, Brian. So finally, Karen, I just want to give a, a brief intro. Yes, um, thank you, Sean. Uh, and once again, thank you, the panelists, for making time today. My name is Hairan Noor, I'm the program director at uh, Law and Sport, a sports lawyer from Kenya. And um, we're happy to have the, uh, you know, the experts here today to just briefly take us through the new CAF uh, club licensing system and stadiums uh, framework. And most importantly, just to look at the new editions of the CAF men's club licensing, first edition of the women's club licensing regulations, and the quality standards for club licensing as well, and dedicated um, club licensing catalog for sections and new CAF stadium regulations. So thank you once again, and uh, back to you, Sean. Well, thank you very much. And as you just kindly heard from Haran, the, the, uh, there's been a lot of developments taking place and there's a lot to cover. I'm not sure we can cover all of it in such a short period of time, but we're going to do our best. So, Mohammed, to start us off, could you provide some contextual background of where um, the, the, the new regulations have come from and why they've, they've taken the shape that they have now? Yeah, so uh, I think... First of all, it's important to understand that uh, club licensing is a uh, project that derives from a FIFA, from a FIFA uh, setup, from a FIFA, which it's FIFA is the one responsible for for setting up or, or was responsible for setting up the the legal framework for club licensing back uh, in in 2010. Obviously, other some of other confederations like UEFA had already implemented club licensing at in, in their confederations, but uh, it was FIFA then um, at later stage who, who then set up this legal framework for mandatory adoption across all the six confederations. So, um, so CAF, like the other confederations in 2012, specifically for CAF, we approved our first CAF club licensing regulations dedicated only for the men's game. So uh, at, at that time, um, the regulations did not cover the women's game. So since 2012 uh, uh, onwards, there has been a period of, uh, of uh, soft implementation, uh, progressive implementation of the, the system in CAF club competitions, but also at the national level uh, meaning domestic um, domestic competitions. I say this because it's very important to separate these two processes. Uh, club licensing is applied with one set of criteria for continental competitions, so CAF Champions League, CAF Confederations Cup, and it's apply it should be applied with a different set of criteria when it comes to the national competition. So this has been happening uh, since 2012. Um, and obviously, as sorry, sorry, time... sorry, Mohammed. Just, to, just for yeah. the benefit of the of the listeners, um, presumably, the for the reason being that the clubs in the continental competitions uh, are better resourced, and it needs to be a, you need to have the you know, it's great to have good regulations, but you need ones that are going to be appropriate and relevant to um, the clubs at the different levels. Is that right? Is that the correct assessment? Mm -hmm. Am I completely wrong? <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, club licensing is there to to set minimum standards. At the end, it's uh, to set a a level playing field that it's uh, where where clubs taking part in a given competition in a specific competition meet uh, standards and requirements uh, in a. You know, in in the same level, we don't we want clubs. We want th there is a proverb we can say that you become better when you compete with the better. So you want clubs that are competing in the same league in the same competition that they meet the same standards. You want a club when it's playing a club another club that they can find the same stadium facilities that they as a top. Uh, club have, for example. So, so yeah. It, at the end, is to 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 set uh, a road and and that everyone has to follow some minimum requirements and and that's what what club licensing uh, tries to do. With 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 CAF in in recently uh, in this year 2022, we decided to update our regulations and this is the topic today uh, that we're going to focus on. It's uh, uh, why? I mean, it's been 10 years. There's been a change in, in African ecosystem. There's been progress in, in, in several areas. Clubs have improved. Uh, the women's game is there right now. So there was a need uh, to revamp the, the, the regulations, include additional criteria for clubs to meet, to participate in the CAF Champions League, in the CAF uh, uh, Confederations Cup. Uh, create a new regulation for the CAF Women's Champions League, which which is a is a competition that has just been launched last season from CAF, and you cannot have a continental CAF Women's Champions League without having criteria for participation in it. If not, any club. We found a club today. Tomorrow we are applying to participate in the CAF Women's Champions League without without having even a bank account, without having an, uh, an office. You know, I'm, I'm using very basic examples because, I mean, this is the challenges we face in Africa. So so that was the reason uh, that we revamped is uh, due to the, 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 develop, the new developments that came into the game. Uh, and at the end, what we've, uh, we've decided is to, to make the system a bit more robust, uh, more some additional criteria that we will certainly discuss uh, along our, our conversation. But in, in, in a nutshell, uh, the reason was uh, the period, 10 years, and uh, the, 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 the progress that we felt that we, have, we, ha we did achieve uh, this soft implementation phase in Africa. It was a bit time now to, to take a, next, a, a new direction. Brilliant. Well, thank you for setting the scene. And obviously, we're going to get into it in a bit more detail. So, brilliant. So, understood. You've created the sort of people's awareness and of the, of the club licensing regime. And now you're being more stringent with these new regulations and, and we apply it to upskill the market. I'm curious to get everyone's view, first of all, about how they feel about it. And then we can come into what is rather the really interesting specifics of the, of the regulation. So maybe starting with Brian, but everyone feel free to chip in. Brian, what's your, how do you feel about um, uh, the uh, the new um, licensing criteria that's been implemented? Uh, well, I think uh, first of all is to, to congratulate uh, CAF uh, on this uh, step in terms of uh, revamping uh, the, the, the regulations. Uh, I think these are very, uh, if I can say, important or crucial initiatives for, for the African uh, continent, which uh, is lagging when it comes to, to, to football 
uh, development. Um, however, also uh, at the same time, uh, probably already at this early on pose a challenge, you know, in terms of uh, why why we bump and why a soft um, uh, soft implementation, the way you're calling it, for a period of uh, ten years, and how do we how have we really measured the progress and how are we going to measure the progress uh, for the next ten years in terms of how our clubs are um, are developing, how infrastructure is developing. Uh, another concern which I have, and this is why I come from an FFA perspective, is that uh, these um, regulations always tend to be very top down. You know, it's about setting standards and uh, getting clubs to uh, to meet these standards. And this is why you ask you ask the question: Is it because we have different criteria because clubs at the continental are better resourced? I think that that's an interesting question that points to one of the of the weaknesses of having such an approach which is um uh, which is top down you know if you start from the bottom which means from the leagues that we have then automatically you get the clubs that perform well or at the continental level you already are satisfied uh, this kind of criteria rather than the other other way around otherwise uh, i think this is a brilliant uh, uh, initiative from uh, from CAF which should be supported uh, and with more stakeholders involved in terms of also improving on these regulations and criteria that are used, being used for development of, uh, of football in Africa. Thank brilliant. You. So thank you very much for that. That's, that's brilliant. And Mohammed, I think what we'll do is probably because it will help, um, I think, articulate the discussion somewhat. If we go around, get everyone's view on it, and then you can basically fire off your responses yeah. Um, yeah. afterwards, which is probably yeah, very helpful. And we can get into the, to the weeds as such. So Cynthia, um, coming to you from your perspective, um, you know, working on the commercial side, how 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 is it received from your side? How do you perceive it? Um, thanks, Sean. Um, nice to hear from you, Muhammad and, and Brian, and uh, nice to see everyone else. Um, it's it's interesting. I'm going to echo what Brian says. Uh, so I work with uh, the clubs at the you know more more senior level, the the you know the top the top flight level. So yes. There's a conversation around um, how will this be delivered. I've gone through um, a bit of of, um, of the licensing document, which is pretty good. I, I like how it's been broken down. Um, the question is, and I always throw this back, is do we have the right people that are capable? How is CAF going to make sure that at that basic level, there is... Um, the right capacity and there's the right capability. So I I, I do see um, from the document that CAF will have people, you know, within their team that are going to go around. But then how 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 much more needs to be done at at the at the grassroots level and at the national you know league levels at the team level? Because out of experience, even from a commercial perspective, when I walk into these rooms. The conversation is, oh, you know, we need help with sponsorship. We need this. We need that. And when you sit in the room and ask, who's your commercial guy? And everyone sits back. You know, they're like, um, what do you mean? Who's your, you know, who's your commercial person? <laughs> and so probably there would be a question around uh, if, if, there, if we have this um, club licensing and whether it's the, the, the lower tier teams or even the league teams and you go in and say, um, you know, there's there's club licensing. The question would be, who do who do the team teams need? What kind of person is required? What kind of capacity and capabilities so, is required? 
so Cynthia, I think you pose a great question. Again, we'll we'll, we'll come back to it. But so so maybe can uh, I'll, I'm jotting them down so we can uh, make sure we cover them all off. So the question is about capacity building. Do we have the right people? Or you said, um, and I guess the at the different levels and no doubt you will then have Mohammed from your side it will be not the CAF the, the member association and the clubs um, themselves so that would be interesting to, to break down but the, you know who's implementing do we have the right people and how we plan for capacity or how you as a continent uh, and CAF in particular plan uh, for that is a, is a very pertinent question I believe um, should we go to Abdullah next thank you Sean and Khairan and Lawrence Ford for relaying the time invitation and for organising this conference uh, I would like to compliment the timing of the conference because people used to believe that uh, those who are working in football can watch and attend every single football game. We are seven football professionals proving that this is this is not true. So thank you, and uh, thank you, Mohammed Sidat, for uh, for uh, for for what happened to the uh, club licensing system in Africa. Because uh, without this improvement, we would have not had this conference today. Uh, probably you would have another conference, but not this one. So thank you and congratulations to you and your team. Uh, from a legal perspective, how we see the, the club licensing regulations, it's really important from the legal perspective uh, to, uh, to, uh, to state that because the way I see it is it's a powerful tool to improve the whole system. Uh, from Coming from a legal background, I used to believe that improving your legal system is the first ingredient to improve the whole system. The regulatory system is the most important one to uh, improve the whole system. This is happening now with the club licensing system, which connects all different aspects of improving football. Um, in Africa, we have an exceptional level of talents in football, and we need to develop the management level to make the best use of these talents. Um, Speaking about the, 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 the CAF or in general, the, the club licensing regulations, it might be simple when you read it for, for the first sight, but it's one of the most complex regulations in football because you cannot, you cannot read the articles of the club licensing regulations without focusing on the reality of football. Uh, what's happening behind the scenes? Every aspect, every criterion of, of the club licensing regulations reflects on a lot of hard work on different levels of, of, uh, of, of football management. Um, the, whole, the whole system now can improve the, the, the level of competition, can improve the level of participants in the competition. And I would like to see uh, the improvement of club licensing regulations in Africa like a huge step towards improving the whole level of CAF competitions. The question is always, and the question now is, what's next, what's after this step? Hopefully we can answer this by the end of the conference. Brilliant. And I think you're right. That is going to be the big one. What happens next? Um, Farai, what's your take on it? You know, being you know so heavily involved in football over the years, you've seen some some quite significant disputes on the continent, um, been involved with some of them. From a from a regulatory perspective, legal perspective, what's your sort of initial take? Thank you very much, Sean, and um, everyone else. Uh, I, I would like to echo what Abdullah has just said in terms of uh, the significant improvement. I think with any uh, environment, you need a proper regulation. And one of the things that is always a problem is when the rules are not clear or when people don't understand what is required of them, it, it just brews chaos. And, and, and this has been something of a, a problem when it comes to CAF because 
over the years we've had rules or regulations that were not clear. And I, I take the point that Mohammed mentioned that some of these things had to be implemented in a soft uh, implementation uh, sort of way. But that uh, on its own created its own problem. So to have um, a, a, a club licensing regulations that is uh, detailed, that is thorough and clear in all sorts of respects, I, I think it's a welcome development, which uh, it only, uh, we only leave it for the implementation and see how far we go with that. But from a legal framework or a regulatory framework, it is a welcome development in my view. Brilliant. So in, largely everyone's in agreement. Kyron, are you going to butt this trend? But it sounds like everyone's in agreed that this is a great initiative. But Kyron. Yeah, I mean, all in all, yeah, like everyone has said, it's a, it's a welcome uh, development. I would also pose a challenge in how do they look into the implementation where how do you create the capacity, as Cynthia said, in terms of knowledge? How do we equip people with the right uh, technical know-how to understand, okay, these are the regulations, this is what we're meant to do, or this is what is being implied, and how do we now move forward to work towards implementing and making uh, football in Africa better and, uh, you know, develop further, yeah. Thank you, thank you very much. And so, Mohammed, so largely everyone's appreciating the work that you guys are doing. I think it's a very positive development. They've got, I guess, the, the, the question is around uh, capacity building and implementation. Um, no doubt this was something in your consideration when developing the regulations that, that, that this was going to be a, a key component. How, how are you addressing it? And, you know, I think also at the same time, could you talk about the sort of the breadth of what the regulations cover? Um, just so everyone's clear on what, what some of the, I guess, the top the top key points of the regulation that you see as being, you know, if we get these, even if we can get most of the clubs to be compliant with these areas, um, it would be a significant step forward. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, um, with regards to, uh, I think the question is how, I mean, regulations look very nice. They very, very, I mean, the, even the design of our new regulations are, looks very nice, but then how do we cascade this effectively down to the member associations into implementation right so uh, i would be lying if i if to say that that there is a perfect formula there isn't because we have 54 member associations uh english ma's french ma's portuguese ma's spanish ma's in africa uh different social political economical context in these federations uh, different levels of of, uh, of expertise and know-how in these federations uh, and in these football ecosystems, in these 54 football ecosystems. Uh, so from that, you can imagine that uh, a project like club licensing that uh, that it's it's uh, uh, it, it's all it, it it it's going to be it's always going to be challenging to implement it. So that's why we always say that club licensing is not is not a, a one-size-fit-all project. It should be really tailor-made to the to the country, to the competition, uh, and that's what we we recommend to to all the federations. Now, uh, the good part is that the system is already well established. What do I mean by system being well established? The 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 the, the bodies within each federation that are responsible for club licensing, namely, for example, the club licensing manager, who is the focal point, the focal person with, with CAF. He is a, a, a staff, a, a permanent staff within the federation. Uh, 
uh, this person uh, is is appointed in all of our 54 member associations. And this is this person is normally the focal point, as I said. And then we have the decision-making bodies, the bodies that take a decision if a license is granted, if a license is rejected, which are the, the club licensing first instance body and appeals body. All of our federations have these bodies composed and recognized by CAP. So the system, uh, the, the, the ABC of the system is there uh, in terms of compliance. Uh, what we sometimes lack uh, or, or the level of implementation is not the desired one, is in, indeed uh, the application of the regulations, the applications of the criteria in the different member associations. Uh, now, it's not uh, entirely the role of CAF uh, because without the member associations jumping on board also to say, okay, we want to implement uh, a, a licensing system in our Premier League, in our uh, second division, in our third division, in our women's competition, uh, without them, we CAF is limited. You know, we can try to push, but there is there is a certain limit that uh, we cannot go beyond that. Uh, we do not have the competence to oblige, for example, uh, federations and leagues to implement uh, club licensing in all of their competitions. So, so that's important to clarify. Inter uh, so, capacity building wise, uh, CAF we we have an important role uh, through the club licensing managers. We train the club licensing managers. Uh, two three months ago, we've organized a CAF club licensing continental seminar in Cairo. Uh, it was uh, we had uh, all the confederations from. Of FIFA, 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 and the confederations, they joined. Our club licensing managers joined. So it was a beautiful event in Cairo where we we mm -hmm. conveyed all the, the, the club licensing family to, to celebrate the new regulations and to go through each of the criteria and to explain the new changes. So this is already a capacity building that we do with the member associations. Uh, obviously, there are there is more than that because then it's also the responsibility of the member associations to conduct these capacity buildings and training and workshop with their clubs, with the general managers of clubs, with the different uh, uh, personnel of of their their ecosystem. Because as you can imagine, CAF we cannot reach uh, all the clubs in all the 54 member associations. Uh, so that's what we do from time to time. We organize uh, conferences, uh, seminars, workshops uh, on and the regulations, and and we try to push, we try to push uh, on that. So so that's on the on the capacity building side. The one the one thing I was going to ask then is that, and maybe again for the speakers, if you if anyone else would like to sort of chime in on this point, uh, please feel free. Yeah, Cynthia, well maybe Cynthia, it's better to hear from you guys than me. Cynthia, do you want to come in, and then I've, I've always got my question after. Um, thanks, Mohammed, uh, for for um, that clarification. It's great to know that uh, you know the, the federations do have a club licensing manager. Um, the reason why I ask this is because when when um, when the the initial club licensing um, uh, regulation was set out, I received so many of uh, requests from the teams. Uh, because they had to comply. That was before this new regulation. And I, I can imagine that those uh, requests are going to come back. 
uh, and just sitting with um, you know these these team managers and and team uh, you know team owners and and stuff, it felt like they didn't know so much, you know. And so my 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 take and my question then is: Yes, you're training um, the, the club licensing, and I do understand that there's a very big um, there's a very big resource that might be required to reach out to all 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 the you know all the teams across the continent. It's it's crazy. Um, what the question would be then is: What kind of solution? It doesn't have to come directly as a financial one from CAF, but then what solution can you have to then um, support the, the federations to push this capacity and capability to the teams? Because it's it, it's it's going to be difficult to implement at a certain level. I, unfortunately, I come from a country where we're, we're still um, trying to figure out if FIFA is going to allow us to play football or not. We're still suspended. Um, but, but you know, that's, that's a question that I think many teams will ask across. Like, um, you have the, the Kenya Premier League so, and so you have your... So, so, sorry? So, Cynthia, sorry, sorry, just on that point then. So I think your point is well made, which is, mm-hmm. you, you, Mohamed... Sounds brilliant. You're working with these 54 member associations. How do you ensure that that trickles down? I guess yeah. the question then will stem from that would be what, um, I guess, if there, if not enough action is happening or if the member association is not investing into that, I guess, what would be the... Um, yeah. What will be the, the 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 consequences of that? What what happens? Um, did anyone else have any sort of observations on that point before we give Mohammed so. the opportunity? Um, and I have to say, Mohammed, thanks so much for being willing to do this because we're all we're always we're all very excited about it. And um, no, it's okay. It's um, uh, just to go back maybe to, to Abdella's point and uh, and again to to challenge Sarah, I feel like I'm coming from from the other side, you know. And uh, we are here with the mostly lawyers. When they say the regulatory framework is the most crucial, I tend to disagree because I think an educational framework... That's outrageous, Brian. Outrageous. Sorry, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. <laughs> I think an educational framework is more important than a regulatory framework. And um, I think that's a challenge we have uh, in Africa because we, we are concentrating too much on trying to uh, to achieve certain standards which uh, are not are not based on our own context. And um, uh, Muhammad uh, rightly pointed out that, um, yeah, you go across Africa, you find different social setups, political setups, economic uh, uh, situations. So if you come up with a, a regulatory framework and you, uh, it's kind of, we hope we are going to, uh, we are going to uh, get this implemented. Um, it's, it, it becomes a challenge for the continent. Uh, Cynthia, I know uh, we can speak from the Kenyan context. I think only about four clubs were able to um, attain or to be licensed when it uh, it first came to it first came to Kenya, and we, you have no league. So at the end of it, okay, let's let's just go ahead, and uh, that's what I think we we are referring here as a soft implementation. So maybe just to say, okay, the regulatory framework is good; it's excellent to have one, but I think an educational framework for our clubs, for our football ecosystem is more critical <laughs> where we should perhaps put in more. Right. So, so I guess the, yeah, it comes back to the same point, which is this is no small challenge for anywhere in the world. And, it, you know, just for context as well, even within the UK, in England in particular, where we have lots of money 
in the football pyramid, compliance and getting people to, as we've seen with all the court cases <laughs> and all the disputes that take place, getting people to comply with regulations is a different thing than having good regulations. So, um, Mohammed, what's your... What, what, you know, what I would say, Sean, and, and you talk, you spoke, you, you mentioned England, uh, and uh, I mean, I look always, we always have to, to benchmark on, on the best, and if you look at Europe, European football is, is number one, but if you look at 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, European club football was not at the level that was today. I mean, you remember the stadiums and there were, you know, standing, standing, uh, not seated stadiums, you know, it was standing stadiums and, you know, it was not even secure, was not safe. But I think the difference is also a bit of, 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 uh, of, um, of vision and, and sometimes we, uh, as Africans, we 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 don't want to 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 see things uh, with you know with 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 perspective. What do I mean is um, football-wise, obviously. Uh, in Europe, they saw that the only way that uh, their product, football product, could become more rentable could become uh, could generate more is, is it was through uh, a mechanism that clubs, stadiums, uh, infrastructure, facilities, uh, management, uh, they would be run in a, in a, in a, in a more professional way. And, and the outcome is what we can see today. You see uh, leagues uh, in Europe, uh, the main leagues, and overall you see even the, the minor leagues in Austria or or other countries, they are, you know, they, they are well run and the clubs no more face issues related to club management and club licensing. It's more on financial aspects nowadays in Europe. Now, us in, in Africa, because we don't have this, uh, we lack this part where uh, we should think as a, as a whole. We like to, to think individually, um, speaking more on the club side, uh, if the if the clubs in each country understood that uh, by implementing club licensing uh, in their competition would be beneficial, firstly for them, uh, th th I, th this is the, the biggest the biggest um, issue that we have uh, is that uh, clubs usually look at club licensing as an exclusion tool and not an inclusion tool, but which is not club licensing is there to in to to include. But to include the best, and 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 then to be able to 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 generate uh, you know more revenues and and more income for the clubs themselves. So I think this is the the big the big difference. Uh, so that's why we have to say club licensing is is ch it's challenging to implement club licensing systems, not only because of the social political aspect that I mentioned in the beginning. Uh, and the language, etc., but also because of this mentality uh, that we still are not uh, adopting uh, to think as a as a as, as a group, to think as a whole, how, that this can be beneficial for for, and, for the clubs as a whole. And so, so one of the things that we see is that obviously a financial incentivizations or often helps, as you said. Um, uh, so what? 
in terms of, I believe you've got some provisions in there in terms of overdue payables, but what other things have you got mechanisms, I guess, within, and maybe you can talk about that, but what, what me- I'm, I'm really curious has been what mechanisms other than, you know, you don't meet this criteria from a member association, what, what I guess, what effect can you have on member association status and rev- potential so, revenues? So, so then- basically for the main, one of the, the, <clears throat> the biggest change in this new men's club license regulations was an inclusion of a section there in the regu- in the CAF regulations that now makes it mandatory that every member association of CAF must implement at minimum in their top tier men's competition. So every Premier League in, in, in Africa must implement some minimum requirements established in the CAF regulations, in the CAF, in the CAF criteria. So let's break it down as an example. For the CAF Champions League and the CAF Confederations Cup, men's Champions League and men's Confederations Cup, we require clubs to meet, let's say, 50 criteria. Let's take it an example. What now we have set, we have done in, in the new regulations, we said out of this 50 criteria, 15 of them, we have considered this ones as minimum. It's very basic. It's a club having an office, a general manager, a head coach, a bank account, not having overdue payables, you know, very ba- having a stadium, either owned or rented. 15, cri- 15 criteria. We are making, we cap, we are making it mandatory that every Premier League implements, every member association implements this 15 criteria in its uh, respective Premier, men's Premier League. What are we looking for? We want that clubs in Eritrea, Eritrea Premier League, clubs in Egypt Premier League and in South Africa, Malawi, all of them, at least they are meeting this 15 minimum requirements, all of them. You get my point? So, because what was happening is that uh, you go, you, we were look, seeing that in one member associations, there were just a few requirements in the Premier League and in the other, they were very high. Now, it's important to mention that if a, feder- if a member association, if a federation intends to increase the, the, 15, the, the number, so instead of having only the 15 CAF criteria in its Premier League and it wants to increase, free, no problem. They cannot decrease the, the criteria. So let's say, for example, South Africa Premier League, we know that they are very advanced. Egypt Premier League, they want to include more requirements. Now they want to have a club, they want clubs to have a finance manager. They want clubs to have a, a digital and media officer, for example. They can increase. But the minimum, uh, it should be implemented all over. So this is one of the approach that CAF has taken now in the new regulations to try to minimize the gap between uh, between co- uh, local competitions, men's competitions, because uh, my opinion uh, is is that you know African football can only develop really really develop is by having a proper organized and strong uh, domestic competitions. Brilliant! Thank you very much for that and for setting that out. I think. I said, it's, it's no mean feat what you're doing. And uh, it's, it's just very exciting because, you know, a strong Africa 
in terms of football uh, makes it like better for everyone who loves football. <laughs> so um makes it really exciting, more great competitions. Um from we haven't heard from uh for Ryan Abdullah for a while. So I was wondering, I guess, um, and I think we're gonna have, probably have to break this into two parts, um, because we're literally just scratching the surface at the moment. We haven't even talked about uh the women's side or the state stadium side. So no doubt we'll we'll have to probably reconvene, I'd imagine. But also um yeah, um from Farai Abdullah and Kyron, from your perspectives, I guess, listening to this um to Mohammed talk and, and and you've heard the concerns from Cynthia and Brian from your side with your legal hat on do you think oh goody there's new regulations there's going to be <laughs> more disputes or potentially you know more more um uh, contractual negotiations or what's what's your kind of you yeah, haven't listened to all that what's your kind of reflections maybe uh Farai and then Abdullah yeah thank thank you Sean uh j- just to go one step back and maybe uh Mohammed can clear that for us because uh, I've sort of found, I understand that uh, one size will not fit all, but what I've noticed with uh, the minimum requirements is that there is provision for exemptions, which makes me wonder whether they are indeed minimum requirements because if the base is the base and then there's provision for someone else to say, no, no, but lower the base for me. Uh, I understand the practical uh, uh, issues that come with one size trying to fit all, but that, in my view, can be a source of, of uh, uh, antagonism in the sense that uh, you say these are minimum requirements, but then one country could then say, oh, well, in our context, there's a problem with this aspect, please reduce it. And then the next country then comes and asks for the next mm-hmm. thing. And, and so that for me was sort of a, mm, is this can't really be minimum requirements? It probably is an area that needs to be looked at because as you say, uh, with this increased disputes or reduced disputes, it may just be a source of uh, disputes in the sense that once one application is granted, the next member association comes up with an, an application and it's almost, it becomes an issue. But the issue we, we're raising here is unique to us you can't really compare us to the guy that you, to the other member association that you granted. Therefore, we, we need to be exempted. That for me was is a problem in the sense that if there are to be minimum requirements, then there must be minimum requirements, unless if the minimum requirements bar has been set high, in which case it might not be a, a really a minimum requirements. But to go back to, to what you've asked Sean in terms of a, a step forward or step Stagnant, uh, step forward, step back. Uh, disputes uh, inevitably disputes are going to uh, to increase because uh, with more regulation, everyone becomes uh, a bit uh, uh, innovative to try and, and circumvent. In some cases, it's not evasion, but it's avoidance. So, so everyone tries to to, to be uh, clever and try to 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 to, to reduce the, the requirements as much as possible. And this is why. Uh, from a, a lawyer perspective, and this is uh, partially in answer to Brian, when he says uh, he thinks education is the most important, I, I think regulation is the most important. You need to lay out the rules first and then say to everyone, we will help you to comply. We will hold your hand. Uh, you can't educate people when there is no requirements to meet. So you need the rules or the regulations. Then you hold their hand and take them towards uh, how you can comply. Otherwise, without those rules, I won't even attend class because there's nothing for me to comply with. So, well, I tell you what. First, yes. firstly, on that, I was going to say that. So, Karen, 
No, no, I was just, uh, before we go to Abdullah, I would just like to, I mean, agree with Farai, of course. I'm not saying this uh, on a legal perspective, I was saying that I'm supporting my fellow uh, landed friends, but then it's more just saying we need a structure, we need something that sets the line for us to comply, because without that, how are you capacity building when something doesn't exist? And then at the same time, um, you know, disputes are inevitable because, as Cynthia has already pointed out, some of the federations are currently suspended. And that's because uh, some criteria or some rules and regulations have not been followed. So one or the other, once you put something um, across, if someone is either not going to comply or not meet the standards, or if they are, you know, what are you now um, putting uh, as safety measures or just... Uh, you know, block of standards to, to be met. So I think, um, I mean, for me, I would just like to say, you know, I agree with Farai 100% on this. I, I can tell you what, I can see as a separate one, we need to have a debate. So Brian's going to be on the education stuff and we'll have, we'll have Farai on the other side and we can just do a debate. Education or regulation? That's what we're doing. Yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure I'm not going to win this argument because it's against <laughs> lawyers, but it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I'll come. I'll come to you. I'll come to you. I'll come to your aid, Brian. I'll 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 jump in to give you some support because I, I know what you're saying. I do think there's a point of Brian. I'm not sure if this is is what you're trying to get at though. But in you know from a law and sport perspective, we talk about this. If people don't understand how the law is used in the first place, they don't really get the buy into the regulations. So it's kind of a a chicken and egg type of scenario. So I take your point, Brian. I think which is what you're getting at. I think which was like you know people aren't aware of the issues. They understand why the regulations are important. Therefore, they don't respect them. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. But Abdullah, do you have anything before, um, or Cynthia, before we come to to Mohammed um, to, to, to answer uh, Farai's point, which was about? Um, yeah, I would like to thank Farai for uh, for supporting his fellow lawyer. Uh, and I also I, I would like to say that uh, Brian actually and I can agree that CAF has a lot to do. Uh, the way I see it, it is not regulation versus education. They are completing each other. Uh, you set a regulatory system, then you educate your stakeholders on this system, then you um, you watch the application of the of the regulations, then you can set a method to handle uh, the violations or the lack of implementation of these regulations. So education is a key challenge in Africa and on a regulatory uh, level, education is actually the next step. Let me give you an, a practical example uh, for the current uh, um, club licensing system in Africa, the new one. Um, I am personally happy with the creation of CAF Club, the club licensing online platform, because until the, this season, until this year, 2022, we used to depend on, on paper-based system to apply for the CAF license. Uh, this had to change, and this is changing now. But we need to educate stakeholders, uh, the, 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 the license applicants, the licensors, the clubs, any stakeholders in Africa. We need to educate them on, on the use of uh, the CAF club. This will happen, and then you need to watch the application of or the use of this platform. Uh, that's how you make the best of, of this instead of uh, improving the regulatory system. Oh, I was waiting. I didn't know if you had anything more you wanted to say on that. Um, so I apologize. But the, so you got me thinking about 
um, about this, which is, and again, I'll let Mohammed come back and then we'll have a final question, I guess, for everyone. And I do think if everyone's got time, we'll have to do a part two because there's so much to cover. I guess the question, I'll let Mohammed respond first and then I've got a, a question to get everyone's um, perspectives on. Yeah, so... So I mean Abdullah, I think you are. I see you are. You came very ready for this uh, for this uh, chat today. You already mentioned about the online platform, uh, which is very good. I think this is going to be a, a big game changer. Uh, but as you said, it's, it's it's going to be very challenging the implementation. It's a system. It's an electronic system that uh, needs to be cascaded still to 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 the member associations. We are going to have users. Basically, uh, the entire process is now going to be done fully online. So clubs applying for license to participate, clubs in Kenya, clubs in Malawi, clubs in Egypt, Eritrea, wherever, intending to participate in the CAF Champions League, CAF Confederations, CAF, CAF Women's Champions League, every season, they, have, they will have a username and a password. They have to enter the system, submit the documents, per criteria, per requirement. The club licensing manager of the federation validates it in the system. The, the first instance body and the appeals body take a decision of license granted or rejected in the system. So it's a fully automated process. So this, this platform is also open. It's also open for the federations to use it in their domestic competition. So Egypt can use in their Premier League, uh, Botswana, Mozambique, Somalia, they can use it in their, in their domestic landscape. So uh, it's going to be a game changer, but it's going to be challenging like any other platform like FIFA Connect or FIFA TMS, etc. It's going to take three to five years, let's say, for us to really, to really uh, you know, um, cascade it across uh, the entire continent in a, in a very professional way. So, um, sorry, uh, do, do you think is there in that? Is there any have you had any feedback? Is there sort of wide acceptance that people would you know? Because sometimes in football, because of the different cultural backgrounds and political things, that you, the people would, be, want you would be surprised how the federations were happy Fantastic. when we launched this platform. My goodness, it was. Uh, you know, they wanted to make all the dirty work from their hands. <laughs> it takes it to the you know exactly, exactly. Yeah. You no, know, they wanted. I mean, they they wanted to make me a statue, but uh, I told them no, it's not me because you know I'm just I'm just a project manager. So they said no, really, thank you. They were waiting for this for this platform because now, imagine you as a club licensing manager, you have to manage how many applications from clubs. You just tell them please. Use your username and password, submit everything. They submit right away. You get everything online. You just click two, three clicks. You, you have the PDF file, you have Excel sheets, you have photos, videos, stadium inspection reports, everything online. So CAFE has made a big effort to open the system uh, and, and leave it open for, for the national associations to use it in their domestic competitions. Now, with regards to the minimum requirements, just to clarify, they are very. They are not. They have not been selected from from high from top to bottom from the high end. Let's say they are very basic minimum. When you say minimum requirement, we say basic requirements. I mean, a club to participate in the Premier League of uh, Botswana, 
they should have statutes approved. They should be uh, registered as a legal entity. That is a basic requirement. It's not only in Botswana, but also in, in any other African country. I think all of us would agree. They, the club must have a bank account in its, in its, in its name. So that is a basic minimum requirement. So there is no exceptions to this basic minimum requirements. If we open exceptions for a club not having a bank account in his name, I mean, how can, how can the prize money allocated by CAF be transferred to an individual account? You know, so we have selected this minimum requirements. We have done a, a thorough study across the continent to see what are these what should be adopted in every competition and we have selected uh, uh don't have the exact number here but there are around 15 as i said basic minimum requirements now as i said any league any federation is allowed to increase these requirements uh according to their uh, they, according to their, 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 their needs, their region, their, their football vision, their football project. And, and this, is, this, is, this, is, uh, this, this actually happens across, across some of our, our member associations. But this is a new provision, as I said. We are at this moment, uh, it's important to, to take note of this, since we have just launched the CAF regulations, we are in the, the, the federations right now are in the process of revising their national club licensing regulations to adopt all the new requirements in line with CAF. So this takes time. So we are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's when you launch regulations, uh, we just think from, it's, oh, now it's, it's, it's just a criteria, uh, from a criteria perspective. No, there is a lot of legal uh, steps that needs to be taken by the member associations in this case. They need to revise the national club line regulations to make sure that all the provisions in their regulations are in line with the CAF regulations. So we are, CAF is currently working with the different associations to ensure that all the 54 associations have their new regulations in line with our, uh, with our uh, regulations. And that's why we have set it out the, the implementation of this minimum requirements mandatory only from, from next season, 23-24, not from this, this, this ongoing season. And that, that makes a lot of sense, given how difficult it can be sometimes to change regulations um, if you don't have core in a meeting, etc. And if there's political infighting, it can make it even more difficult because it becomes a, a tool doesn't it, uh, to out someone who's a president or get favour, you know, all the politics uh, around football. So I think that sounds like a very wise step. Um, I did have a question, but I guess the one thing that, that we did say we were going to talk about, which we haven't yet, um, was um, the stadium <coughs> requirements. And um, maybe, Mohammed, you just wanted to provide um, some background on that. or Or I could just get everyone's... Or maybe I'll maybe I will do my question first, and then we'll come to you, Mohammed, on the, and we'll move on to the stadium. From an education perspective, it sounds like, and you've heard about, you know, there's some time for this to be implemented. It's a really, you know, fantastic technology that's been applied to make life easier. From our speaker's perspective, what would you like to see happen from an education perspective? Given you, you know, it sounds like everyone's concerned about not what happens necessarily at the top tier of places, but what happens the next tier down. What would you like to see? Cynthia, maybe I'll come to you and Brian. 
um, I think um, the, 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 the workshops and probably, you know, some conferences, but more, more, more workshops, more masterclasses um, should probably be done at the, uh, at the national level so that uh, they empower the federations to then empower um, the teams and the leagues to, to develop capacity at the team level. Um, what I experienced was a lot of questions around, you know, we don't even understand. We can see there's a lot of English here. <laughs> uh, we don't have the, the right, you know, way. So maybe, I, I don't know, I know the, the regulations are already up, but then also encourage um, the federations and the leagues to push their teams, the teams to have somebody who understands this, so, whether so, it's bringing so in something a, like, sorry, Cynthia. Whether it's whether it's bringing in an agency to support them in you know putting bringing this uh, up bring them up to speed, or depending on which country it is for like you said South Africa and Egypt are already ahead then they should then each team should have um, um, either a commercial manager or a licensing manager to be able to support the the teams you know upgrade upgrade their standards and and you know comply with with this so i was thinking as you were talking cynthia thank you i was thinking then something like a continued continuing professional education program so it's yes. not just that it happens once given that it's gonna be this evolving program okay uh Brian. And it could be online if you ask me i think they can be able to have you know it doesn't require that you bring people into a room all the time a, a platform like this or you know whatever other platform that's online or a course that is offered by CAF specifically for teams where you, you know, reading the document is one thing, but going through a course and getting a certification that you are now certified um, to man, to as, a, as someone who understands uh, or you have certification uh, on, on this license, then I think it, it will make a very big difference. Thank you. Brian? Um, first, just um, uh, when it comes to, to education, um, my my view is that people should be educated towards uh, attaining a certain vision and uh, not necessarily to meet certain uh, uh, rules and uh, and regu uh, regulations just to emphasize um on that that said i think uh, the regulation part is important and um if you now tie education into that because as abdella uh, rightly said it's not it's not a competing notion it's not uh, education versus regulation now how do you educate people about regulations. For me, regulations is, uh, is it's, it's simply awareness. You know, it's all laid out there in a document. Some will read, some will not. Some will not even have to read to be able to achieve those regulations because they have a vision they're working towards. And if they education towards that vision, automatically they'll be able to meet the rules and um, uh, regulations that, that, that are stipulated uh, uh, there. And, uh, and just to, to, to blow my, uh, my own uh, trumpet a bit, one of the platforms, for example, I have been running is the Africa Football Business Show. This is basically 45 minutes to one hour program that I've been doing almost on a bi-weekly basis, um, now going to the sixth season in, in, in March. I just awareness, talking about where these regulations there. And uh, just as an invitation to Mohammed, maybe I'd like to host him. Um, next season, so that you can uh, share more about uh, the Brian's the real salesman, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, be because that's it. Because um, uh, 
the challenge we've had in, in Africa, especially now it comes to education, is like we we have the impression a lot of these things are helping to a few people. You know, if you invite a few people to eat for a conference, the rest of the ecosystem is left out. Um, just because I'm playing in the second tier or in the third tier, that means that I should not be able to access the kind of education that the people in the top tier are, are, uh, are accessing because I aspire to be there. I have a vision of where I want to go. And I think that's the angle education should take and should be supported by regulation in its own time, it's like in its uh, right place. No, thank you for that. And yeah, we're, we're proof of that, like, you know, law and sport, you know, on this, we have lawyers around all across the continent that have used our platform to bring successful cases to FIFA DRC and at Court of Arbitration for Sport and others, right? So from just having, they couldn't afford to do international masters, but from just having access to the information, they can inform themselves. And as you say, Brian, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the be all and end all, but it just helps those people who want to be helped if they've got an awareness, right? Those people who do want to be, and then hopefully they have that trickle down effect. So I think it's a it's a great point. And that, I think the, the wider point in education is that you can't do enough of it, can you? <laughs> right? Because yeah, people have to be ready and, and, and positioned at the right time to to actually use that uh, education. Did anyone else, um, so um, Abdullah, Farai, Haran, any, any views on the sort of the education, what you'd like to see? Or is it just echoed what, what Brian and Cynthia do you just agree? Yeah, simply be echoing the same uh, sentiments. But uh, I mean, I agree fully on that. Uh, we need more on the capacity building and the awareness and the knowledge around it. Well, we've got a good bunch of people on this on this on this one. So I guess if everyone goes away and does their bit, that will have some impact. Um, um, uh, Mohammed, so one of the things that you were very you know, proud of when when we spoke was uh, around the stadium licensing requirement. Um, and obviously there's been a lot of very sad and tragic issues around football stadium uh, safety uh, around the world um, at the moment. So maybe you wanted to shed some light in terms of you know, um, what you've been doing in that space and why you're so proud about it. Yeah, so this I think is it's quite important. <clears throat> yeah, thanks, Sean. This is a, a whole new block, let's say, with it's related to, to stadium uh, compliance. Uh, as you know, CAF organizes several competitions, CAF like UEFA, OFC, AFC, FIFA itself, and there are uh, requirements uh, or there are stadia requirements uh, that uh, uh, are, are set that uh, whoever wants to take part in these competitions must comply uh, with this stadia requirements to to be able to use their facilities in our competitions. I mean, it's it's the laws of, of it's the laws of of, of the game. Um, and uh, since the election of the new uh, leadership of CAF, uh, Dr. Patrice, uh, uh, and the new administration, uh, the executive committee of CAF decided that uh, infrastructure is uh, is uh, key, and there is a a uh, zero tolerance approach towards bad infrastructure. I mean, uh, since then, it's been two and a half years now that um, the administration then uh, took a more harder stance in regards to uh, this bad infrastructure across the continent. Um, we've launched, as, as cl the club licensing system, we've also launched a new CAF stadium regulations, which is now categorized. It's a very interesting regulation. Uh, we've, we've had a very positive 
uh, feedback even from other confederations and we were very happy about that uh, such as the AFC for example they were very interested uh, in knowing uh, more about the approach that CAF took so basically we have categorized the requirements oh sorry we have we have CAF organizes several competitions from youth to senior from female to male uh, from club competition to national team competition so if you if you take all of these competitions we have we have thrown these competitions into these categories which category four is the highest so let's look at category one for example uh, competitions that would fall into category one requirements would be women's under 17 uh, men's under 20 so very junior competitions and when you go, grow into category three for example we would find there the uh, CAF Champions League matches CAF Confederations Cup matches category four you would find then uh, the CAF uh, the FIFA World Cup qualifiers matches so just like that so then when you go into the requirements uh, in the in the stadium regulations uh Federations now, when they look into the regulations, they will see that for me to 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 propose CAF for uh, to use a specific a specific stadium uh, that that I'm participating in a FIFA World Cup qualifier, I have to meet all the requirements set in Category Four. So they know by by beforehand uh, all the requirements that are in Category Four. So that's what we've 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 changed the approach, and it's it's really also well received by the federation now uh, where do we stand at the moment we stand at the point that we have almost half of the continent half of the continent half of our member associations do not have a stadium to play their international senior matches we have they having to play in neighborhood countries uh, uh, kenya included for example kenya is suspended but Kenya stadiums are not approved, for example. Uh, I'm saying Kenya because, Cynthia, you, you are from Kenya, right? Yeah, but we have we have three Kenyans here. <laughs> yeah, it's me, Tehran, and Brian, yes. Okay, so three. That's why I mentioned Kenya for as an example. Not that I don't like Kenya. It's, I've been to Kenya. It's a very nice country. But uh, so um, we have uh, we have this high number of 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 MAs having to play, imagine a FIFA Qatar qualifier, a Africa Cup of Nations qualifier, top level matches uh, in the neighborhood countries because of stadium non-compliance. So uh, this has, has been an approach that we've taken, uh, as I said, two years, in two, starting two years. And now it's uh, it goes without saying, I can say that yeah, you know the MAs know very well, and the clubs know very well that you know they have to comply. And uh, to our to 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 our uh, positive surprise, uh, governments are coming into the, the 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 table, and they are supporting into renovating several stadiums. We've had also countries that were banned, and now they are back into the approved list. So this is very good. Now, just to clarify, when we ban a stadium for a FIFA qualifier match or AFCON qualifier match, 
it does not mean that that stadium cannot host an under-17 match or, or, a, or a women's match. Or It all depends on uh, the type of competition and it, if the stadium meets the minimum requirements. Obviously, if the pitch is destroyed, it doesn't really matter what type of category. The stadium will not be approved. You know? So just to, to, to clarify that it's not that we are just prioritizing the, the high-end competitions. Mm. No. In the high-end competitions, the requirements are are much are are much are more. Uh, while uh, in the lower competitions, we have minimum, we have less requirements, but we still need to ensure that this minimum requirements, this less requirements, are in good good standards. So and and, is- and no doubt as well, just for people for, for for people listening, part of the reason why is that obviously when you're doing these big international competitions, all the commercial rights and all the requirements for media. And everything else that goes with it um, uh, are, are much more complex, um, and therefore they need certain um, uh, facilities and everything else to make all of that operation work, amongst other things. Um, Cynthia, sorry, you had a had something you wanted to contribute, I think. Yes, um, uh, this is a, a really great uh, development coming from a country where we had Chan taken away from us because we didn't have the stadiums. Um, and so this is this is great. I think you know having this beforehand is good. What I wanted to talk about is um, I think across the continent, major stadiums are owned by government, which is very different from say Europe um, and and maybe the, the the Americas. So you know I I I I imagine and you mentioned the government. I I, I imagine that at some point maybe we you know CAF can have a consideration around having bringing governments together to lobby so that they have, you know, some, again, I go back to this knowledge and education to understand better how to, you know, improve this, but also have an investor kind of uh, platform where, you know, there's a conversation around bringing in investors, tying into, you know, the club licensing where you're saying you're building standards, you're building commercial standards, you're building technical standards, but this can't happen unless you have the right infrastructure and all this will trickle back up to the investor if they put in their money and, you know, have proper stadiums and pro- proper, you know, um, broadcast and, and things like that. So, you know, just just to point out that I think lobbying is going to be very important at the CAF level uh, in support of, of, the, of the countries that either have or do not have um, the stadiums to get them to the right standard. Cynthia, I would have to partially disagree on that. Because uh, I think, let I mean, we if we have a problem in our house, right? If the if the tap is broken, it's our responsibility as the owner of that house to make sure that the tap is now going to be fixed. And uh, uh, it's we can't call the neighbor. We can call the neighbor to ask for for information where I can buy a new tap or etc. And that is Calf's role. Calf's role is just to provide some guidance. We can't go now into 54 countries and uh, start to get into the to their affairs because it's their affairs. You know, it's, as you said, the stadiums are managed by governments. <laughs> the governments have their own way of operating. Uh, so it would be very difficult for us now to go in and start to, 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 to try to, 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 to shift things because at the end when they see CAF, they think CAF is coming now to, with a solution and we don't have a solution. A stadium renovation 
a stadium construction, it costs millions of US dollars. So uh, it's, it would be a very difficult role uh, for CAF to assume. So, so uh, it's, it's up to the governments themselves uh, to uh, ensure that uh, football uh, is, it can be played in their countries. I mean, football no, is... I, I mean, I'm in full agreement, full agreement you know? with you on that. Um, I, I was just talking from a, from a CAF level in terms of inclusivity, not necessarily 100% putting the governments, you know, going in there and being CAF to do that. I think maybe I should take this back to the federations for, for CAF to say, hey, um, you know... Cynthia, do you not think... So, so I was going to say on this, did you not think that the, the solution would be, Mohammed, like yeah, one third party actors to put the business case forward and to show best practice, right? Yeah. And to to show to shed light, as Brian was saying, though, on some of the good examples, because one of the obvious things you would think about with stadium development would be nowadays stadiums, given the sustainability issues, they have to be multi-purpose. <laughs> Right, so they have to be generally have to be multi-purpose. You want to be able to use them for concerts and other stuff. And um, however, it would seem to me that there's a great opportunity here that that is, you know, from a sports diplomacy perspective, that you know you're more likely to attract bigger events, more other activities if you can have the good infrastructure in place. And part of this seems to stem from. from within all of the conversation I'm listening to is, and you know, back in the day, as such, like for I. Uh, contributed uh, um, with Kelvin on our, on our editorial board um, on this, which was around, yeah, the commercialization, right? And if you haven't got a product, you haven't got a professional product, as going back to Mohammed's point, you can't commercialize. If you can't commercialize it, it's not sustainable uh, for very long. And then the stadiums end up in disrepair and et cetera. So you can totally see how this is sort of building in a very exciting, I would say, exciting way without, you know, as, as all you have said, with certain challenges at, at least. Um, I appreciate we've run over. I know everyone's really busy. I'm just looking at the time. Um, did anyone, should we go around and have a final word from everyone? And as I said, we haven't even touched on, which is I'm very conscious of actually. And so if anyone wants to chip in on that for your final comment, which was on the, the women's football uh, licensing uh, and development. Um, but maybe that's, a, a, again, a separate show in itself. Um does anyone want to have a, a final word? And Mohammed, given that you've been in the crosshairs as such, answer, answering all the questions, we'll give you the final word. Um, so maybe we'll start with Kyron and then go to Farai, Abdullah, Cynthia, Brian, and then Mohammed. Um, well, for me, I mean, I think uh, all the relevant points have been point, uh, put across and uh, we've agreed to disagree on several issues. But uh, at the end of the day, I think we do agree on the fundamentals of it is that uh, the regulations are good and they promise improvement and development of African football. And at the end of the day, we do need to have more awareness and, you know, generally capacity building. And hopefully, um, if at all, CAF uh, uh, would, I mean, reach out to other stakeholders, it's Law and Sport and Football Foundation for Africa. And of course, um, Cynthia on her on her end with the Sports Connect Africa and just to see how we can all collaborate on on making this uh, worthwhile um, development and uh, trying to push on all ends to make it uh, successful. Thank you. Thank you. Fry. Thank you, Sean. Uh, I think I'll just sum it as uh, 
the, the improved regulations are, as I said earlier, welcome development because we need certainty and it starts there. So we need to, to know what the requirements are and then we can work towards achieving them through education and all other uh, implementation measures. And that uh, moves us away from the traditional uh, tendencies, particularly in African football at CAF level where we tend to run around not knowing what the rules are or what the processes to follow are when there's a dispute. So this is welcome, especially when there is the uh, uh, grace period, if I may call it, that it's not implemented immediately. People have a chance to actually learn and, 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 and comply. Uh, that's all I can say at this stage. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Farai. Abdullah. Yeah, I think uh, this is the first time in, in Africa that we have uh, five separate documents detailed in details uh, that all uh, are relevant to one topic, which is club licensing system. It's something we would like to see in other CAF regulations. Um, we can agree that this is on the regulatory level, this is a very good step towards improving African uh, football. And we can also agree that now it is time for education. We can spend hours talking about stadium. We can talk. Uh, we can spend hours talking about uh, the women's uh, regulation, and we, we haven't mentioned the overview payables and the access of creditors to the system. Uh, this will need days, but uh, we can we can agree that it's time for education, and it's fundamental to capitalize on the reforms of the regulatory system. Wonderful. Thank you, and couldn't agree with you more. Um, <laughs> Uh, Brian. Thanks. Uh, first of all, thanks for the invite, uh, Sean Kairan, uh, Law in Sport. I think it's been a it's been a great conversation, and as uh, Bila rightly says, that it's time for the education or its implementation. Uh, and once again, congratulations, uh, Mohammed and Ka for the great work uh, that you have done with the revamped uh, flag licensing and stadium licensing um, uh, initiatives. Um, I, I still. Uh, come from the point that uh, we need to be educated towards a vision rather than educated to 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 um, to comply with the uh, rules and regulations uh, but i'm positive uh, in the in the coming uh, coming years because this also will take time and that's something africa has to be uh, ready for it's not something that's going to happen within uh, one year or two years transforming african football and we need to engage our stakeholders actively and, uh, and thoroughly including our governments and uh, the private sector, who I believe are the biggest invest investors, what's their input in some of these regulations that we are coming up with as people in the sports uh, football space? I think that's uh, very important and probably uh, a subject for uh, a bigger conversation that we can have. And I'm uh, happy to be here on another occasion, uh, Sean and Karan. So thank you very much. Brilliant, Brian. Thank you very much. Cynthia. Oh, she just disappeared. <laughs> Maybe she'll come back, I think. Uh, Without disagreeing with... with, with that was well timed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've noticed Muhammad is not smiling so much. I, I know I didn't invite you here to be fighting <laughs> fires from all of us, but I mean... It was yeah, really, I, um, I mean, it's really important to have your perspective, especially from the institutional side of it. And we appreciate that you handle it, um, you know, professionally and with patience to, you know, uh, with all the challenges that we put across. 
But I well, think, Tyron, um, yeah. I was going to say on that, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, Mohammed, it's fair to say that you welcomed, you know, when we when we spoke before, you welcomed, um, you know, people asking questions because as a regulator, this is what you want. You want people to understand what's going on. So, you know, when we've found, you know, in the world of sport, when regulators take that position, the outcomes are much more positive for everyone. Um, so, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty brilliant. And Cynthia, we got you back. Sorry, guys. Just when I was about to say all the important stuff, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the, the internet decided it's it's gone crazy on me. I'm actually using my phone. So, um, thank you, Sean, Karan, Loin Sport, Mohammed. I'm so grateful that you you know you were here, and uh, Abdullah and Farai, Brian. Thank you so much. I've learned a lot um, from this. Um, as as a woman, a woman in sport, you know, I'm I'm very excited. What you know, we I, I believe CAF showed the world that Africa is ready to you know show women's football and take us out there. So very very exciting stuff. I imagine that even you know better is coming. Um, what I'd love to say is that we're here, uh, we're on the continent, we're on the ground, and so if there's any support that you need from our end, um, we're happy to uh, to support you to bring um, the vision that CAF has for football to life. Brilliant. It was worth the wait, Cynthia. Thank you. Um, so, so Mohammed. Yeah, Sean. Um, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, as as we spoke on our pre pre conversation, you know, it's always important to have this this forums, this uh, discussions, <clears throat> because we need to really understand if we are as regulators, as you said, we are we are on the right path, you know, and 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 uh, obviously the feedback that we have received. Mm, uh, from the member associations uh, was very encouraging towards the new regulations, towards um, the new platform. Uh, but definitely, it is still going to be a big challenge in terms of implementation uh, because it's it's all new again. Uh, and I mean, all of you touched on an important point that sometimes doesn't make me sleep, honestly, which is education. You know, uh, and uh, you know, I'm I'm. You know, I'm very passionate about the project, but yeah, it's it's you know you always worry on how are you going to effectively uh, cascade this new requirements, new information, new system uh, across the continent. So I think me sitting here, I'm facing my one of the biggest challenges at, at the, since I've been at CAF. Uh, this moment is where I'm feeling one of the biggest challenges, but I like challenges. Which is going to be to really, uh, to really uh, take these regulations from being just a, a nice uh, document uh, to to really uh, implement it on ground. So it's going to take time, uh, but I can give, I can promise, uh, I can promise that I will give my best, and and obviously, whichever federation is and uh, is ready to embrace it. Uh, CAF is going to be there to support because if a federation is not interested, there's not much we can do. Honestly, you know, we can't go into into we we are not running the daily work in all the member associations. CAF is a regulator that sets uh, that has some level of authority, but we can't go beyond that. Same as FIFA towards the confederations and so on and so on. So. Uh, 
just to drop a very important point is that uh, in the new CAF men's regulations, men's club life regulations, from next season, it is mandatory that every club intending to take part in the CAF Champions League and the CAF Confederations Cup must have a women's team. So what I'm trying to say, Abdallah, Al-Ahli, Zamalek, next year, 23-24 season, for them to take part in the Champions League, they must have a women's team. If they don't have a women's team, they will not be allowed to participate. That applies to uh, Farai, to Kaiser, to, to, to Kaiser Chiefs, <laughs> to, to Orlando Pirates. Sundowns, they have one. You know, so this club, so heavy. Yeah, these clubs, all of them, Moroccan clubs, the the big players from next season, they will need to have a women's team to take part in the CAF Men's Champions League. So this is going to be a big, big boost for football, uh, for women's football development across the continent. Because what we have today, we have in the CAF Women's Champions League, the second edition, we have around 30, 35 clubs. But with all, you know, they are not big big clubs they are some of them they are like sundowns etc but some of them they are clubs with little or no resources we need to bring in the barcelonas the leons the chelsea's of africa meaning the zamaleks the al-ahlis the chiefs the orlando pirates to take part in women's competition so that the game can grow uh, sustainably uh, and with power if not, if just by having secondary clubs, uh, the game will not go. I always focus on that proverb that you become best when you compete with the best. So I think that's going to be a massive change uh, next season. So um, as you said, Sean, we could stay here maybe <laughs> 10 hours. There's a lot to, to discuss, but uh, always a pleasure. To 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 join um, to join your, this panel and uh, and to discuss uh, club licensing and, and and African football. No, well, I can't thank you all enough. No, Cynthia, apologies, you had to drop off because of uh, some internet issues. But thank you all very much for inputting into this. And I think the key point that we're taking away is we need to continue to have more dialogue. You know, these sort of open discussions around the good, the bad, what could be improved on. I think what I'm getting from everyone um which i think came across rather sincerely is that everyone's here to help uh, and contribute and i think um y you know it's great that we're all talking between ourselves um which is wonderful but uh, as brian said that that sort of wider outreach and all of us talking to our relative stakeholders as such is the thing that's going to be uh, more helpful the one thing that, that, that uh, i've sort of come away from and and you know, got some experience with dealing with issues around world sport, um, is that it seemed to me that these developments are going to make African football and African sport much more attractive for investment, which I know that from, you know, many of you have said is, is so important from the private investors. It would seem to me that, the, you know, you know, again, a strong women's uh, competition across Africa is going to be hugely attractive, I think, for people to invest in as much as as well for other private investors when they have these criteria. So, I hope, uh, thank you, everyone who's tuned in to listen to this and to watch. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, I said it seems like it's a very exciting time for African football. 
work to be done, as there is everywhere in football around the world. Uh, you know, it moves uh, a frantic pace. Um, other than that, um, thank you all again for taking the time out. As we always say, everyone's really busy. They're doing this because they believe in the cause as such, right? They want to help uh, educate and make things accessible. I hope you found it useful. If you have thought that any of the contributions for any of the speakers today are useful, please get in contact with them. I'm sure they'd love to hear positive feedback. And of course, if you think this is relevant or helpful to anyone, please do share it with people. That's basically one of the messages we've got. Um, other than that, um, if you have any issues, you want to know about legal issues in sport, go to lawandsport.com, follow us on all the usual channels, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all that. Um, and other than that, thank you for tuning in wherever you are in the world. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful day.